This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and Pavestone. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are thrilled to be here with you on this fall weekend. Are you tackling a project around your house? Are you getting ready for the winter? You want to step up the insulation? Maybe you want to get to a project that you just couldn't find time for last summer, so you're good to go when the warmer weather returns. Whatever's on your to-do list, we'd love for you to slide it right over to ours. You can do that by calling us at one eight 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 money pit or by posting your question at moneypit.com slash ask. Just click the blue microphone button. Coming up on today's show, from single sinks to limited square footage, you know, small baths often leave a lot to be desired, but you don't have to make a bathroom bigger to make it better. We'll share some tricks to do just that. And moldy surfaces can be really hard to paint, so we're going to share how to make sure that mold doesn't ruin your otherwise good painting project just ahead. And dryers can be one of the biggest energy-consuming appliances in your house, so we're going to share a tip on how to buy a dryer that will not, guaranteed, run up your electric bill. But first, we are here to help you create your best home ever. So whether that's a quick fix or a big project, we can help you save time, money, and tackle all of your to-dos with confidence. So let us know what you are working on this fall weekend. I love the beginning of the fall season. It kind of fills you with so many fun projects and ideas to do around the house because this weather, I mean, my goodness, guys, could you get enough of it? Well, give us a call and let us know how we can help you. In the summer, I think I have great ideas. I go outside and it's just so oppressive out. I quickly run out of steam, you know, but the fall, I'm like bouncing around. I just can't get enough done. So uh, that's right. Fall is a time, a great time to get those projects done. So reach out to us. Again, go to moneypit.com slash ask. Click the blue microphone button for the fastest possible response or call us at one eight 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 Money Pit. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Courtney in Pennsylvania is on the line with a question about adding air conditioning to her home. This is a biggie, and it could be a big, expensive project. Tell us about it. I guess I'm wondering um, if, um, like, the best way to do that, we have a Cape Cod house. We'll need to put in ducting, but there has been some talk from the contractors that I've had come in talk about the difficulty based on, like, the structure of the house. And also, if I should consider taking out the uh, baseboard heaters and just doing, like, all one system for heating and AC. You know, Leslie, I hate hearing that contractors are advising you to take out a baseboard hot water heating system. Which which is is the best heating ever. The best ever, most desirable. And I would fire that guy, or if you haven't hired him yet, I would not let him back in your house because that is somebody that has no clue what he's doing. 
And plus, you know, if you're worried about the complexity of installing ducts for air conditioning, that becomes far more complex if you now have to also install ducts to get heat into your house. Now, in a Cape Cod house, it's actually not terribly difficult because the cool air is going to fall. So you're going to have your air handler up in that attic space of the Cape Cod. It could be in sort of that crawl space area where it's like the other side of the knee wall or somewhere up there, you're going to have the air handler there. And then you're going to duct down into the ceiling below. And now if the, um, if the attic is finished, then yeah, it's a little more complicated. But again, you would duct right from there. So this is not a terribly complex project. You have to be selective and, and you have to be crafty about how you run the ducts. Uh, and if you're worried about having, you know, big ducts there, there's another type of system that's, uh, called Space Pack. It's a high velocity, low volume system. And, and by that, I mean it uses ducts that are about three inches in diameter and it blows air through them really fast. And you don't see it too often because it's a more expensive system, but it's often used in older houses where you don't have to do a lot of demolition to get the duct work in. But, you know, in our house, we added central AC. When we first took it over, we had about eight window units and we put in central ac and it's an old house and we just have to be you know selective and strategic about how we did that but i don't think you should consider for one minute taking out that wonderful baseboard heat because that's just the best i mean it really does it heats up super quick it keeps the heat in the room so if you start to switch to a different type of heat you're going to feel it differently it's going to not be as warm as you want it to be i would for sure not change that yeah and it's also super dry i mean forced air heat's super dry compared to baseboard heat which is nice and warm and comfortable so stick with what you got and add the AC. All right, Vito in California, how can we help you today at the Money Pit? I have a 4 by 8 bathroom that I'm trying to put this uh, used flooring on. And it's a plywood floor, raised floor to begin with. And uh, I don't know what to use. There's no more sticking on this used plank that I've got. So do you put plastic underneath or what do you put underneath? So it sounds like Vito is trying to use like an upcycled product here, old flooring that he wants to put down in his bathroom, but he can't, uh, it's not going to stick. So I think what you have to do here is use a floor adhesive. There are various types of floor adhesive products. There are floor adhesives for wood. There are floor adhesives for tile. And I think what you're going to need to do here is to clean the subfloor very, very well, as much as possible, and then apply the new flooring with an adhesive. Now, one thing that's really important about floor adhesive, and that is the trowel. It's a grooved trowel. It has like notches in it or sort of like little triangles cut out of it so that when you push, when you put the adhesive down, it sort of stands up a little bit and that helps it adhere better to the flooring product. Just do keep in mind though, that uh, it's very difficult to remove these products once they set. So make sure you're, make sure you're sure that this is the way that you want to go because, you know, there are so many new floors that are out there today that are for bat that are rated for bathrooms that are 100 percent uh, waterproof there are a lot of good choices and a lot of inexpensive choices but if you found a floor that you love and you just need to adhere it then flooring cement is going to be your friend in this case did you know that americans take twenty thousand breaths a day and spend an average of 90 percent of their time indoors that's right and according to the epa the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a hundred times higher Plus, every spring, we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. 
That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, are you a fan of our podcast? Well, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll be doing a happy dance. Plus, it helps us keep the show going and growing. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Heading to the beautiful Florida Keys where we've got Lillian on the line and you're dealing with some worms in the patio. What's going on? I'm calling in reference to some worms that we keep getting into our uh, screened-in patio that we seem to have here in the Florida Keys. And I'm not sure what to do about them. Uh, I tried different sprays to try to keep them out, and nothing is working. Leslie, I don't think this is just a Florida problem. I, I've seen this in my own garage here in, in the Northeast. Have you ever seen the er, the worms come up after heavy rain and get into your patio or your sidewalks, your driveway, that kind of place? Oh, for sure. My goodness. They just seem to find their way out of the soil, I think, just because it gets so wet. And that's exactly right. That's why they do it, because worms actually breathe through their skin. So when you have a heavy rain, they need to get oxygen. They do that by coming up out of the lawn, out of the dirt, and very often will crawl right up on the patio, which is kind of like committing worm suicide because then they get baked by the sun or stepped on by us or by pets. But the thing is, worms are really beneficial in the soil. So I think it's just something you have to learn to live with. I wouldn't try to do anything to stop worms from enjoying all the soil. It's unfortunate that they have this behavior where they come up into the patios and the garages and the sidewalks. But for everyone that comes up, I'm sure there are many, many more that are in the soil helping it become rich and organic and supporting our lawns and our gardens in the process. We've got Mike in Illinois on the line who's ready to talk tree stump removal. What's going on? My wife and I uh, recently had a large tree removed right at the foundation of of our home. It's a Chicago two-flat sort of brick um, home. And uh, we just moved in, and and the owner had left this massive tree uh, right at the foundation. And, um, you know, we're talking maybe six inches away um, from the foundation. So we had it removed. We had the stump ground out. There's a divot there, and to my eye anyway, it looks like, the pitch uh, around that area is sort of, you know, going back towards the, the foundation of the home. My gut says, you know, just get some dirt at the hardware store, fill it in, tamp it down, you know, make sure it's sloped away. I mean, does that sound like the right solution to you? Is there anything I should keep in mind? Hey, Mike, I think you're definitely on the right track here. The thing about grounding out a stump is it doesn't remove all of the old root structure that's in there. So even though it's sort of sunken in now, that's actually going to continue to settle over, I hate to tell you, or probably over the next some number of years. So what I would do is I would fill that area in, but I would use clean fill dirt. What you don't want to do, because you mentioned buying soil in a bag, you don't want to buy topsoil because topsoil is too organic. It's not going to help you here. What you want is clean fill dirt. You're going to fill that in up to the level uh, at the point where you're going to want to start to grow some grass. And then you could put a little topsoil 
over the top of that plant some grass seed. But I would almost overfill it at this point because it's going to continue to settle. And the second thing to be careful of is make sure that you don't have a lot of water discharging in that same area, like from gutters, because it'll find that low spot and maybe even work under your house and crawl space of the basement. I'm not quite sure what you have there. So so keep the major discharge of water from the gutters away from that. Make sure those gutters are clean. Make sure the spouts are well extended past that point so you don't collect any water there. But I think those two things, and just keep an eye on it, and just know that you're going to have to add some more soil from time to time is definitely going to do the trick. Well, there's a few things all old house lovers like me are familiar with, and drafty windows, less than perfect plumbing, squeaky floors, and small bathrooms are on that list. Yeah, that is true. Small bathrooms are definitely a thing. But while new home baths have nearly doubled in size over the past 30 years, and I would kind of say maybe even tripled compared to the size of the bathrooms. Yeah, I know, right? Most of these older bathrooms in these homes average about five feet by eight feet. That sounds absolutely correct. So short of ripping out walls to increase your space, you might be thinking you've got just very limited options, but there are some ways that you can use the space to its fullest potential. And here's some tips to help you do just that. You really have to maximize the space that you have. And you might want to consider installing a corner sink. It can be pedestal style. It can be wall mounted. Whichever you choose, a corner mounted sink option is going to give you some functional charm. But most importantly, it frees up a lot of floor space in that bathroom. And setting up space-saving storage elsewhere in that room also means that you don't have the traditional cabinet vanity. And a smaller bowl for the sink itself is still going to provide plenty of capacity. So definitely not a sacrifice here. Now, here's something that a lot of folks have not thought of. Curved quadrant shower units might be thinking, what the heck is a quadrant shower unit? Well, you can conserve very precious real estate by including a comfy curved quadrant shower enclosure in your bathroom remodel. Now, a quadrant shower has two straight sides mounted into a corner and then a curved entry that saves at least one square foot of space compared to traditional units. Now, another option is to go with toilets that have a flat tank top. A flat tank top gives you another storage spot where you can place organizers directly on top of it or take advantage of the wall space above for hanging cabinets or shelving. And next, think of smaller, deeper tubs. You can look for smaller-scale tubs that offer great soaking potential because they have deep-set seating. A small claw-foot tub is one option, but there are many if you'd like a different type of decor. All right, now here's some other ideas. Lower profile faucets and fixtures because you're freeing up then some visual space. And when you select those low profile fixtures, you're kind of opening up this view. So you're making the space be, you know, perceived as larger than it actually is. And there's a ton of styles available. So you can really beautifully accessorize your small bath. Plus, Bathroom sinks don't have to be big to get that job done. You can also think about if you don't want to get rid of that cabinet or that vanity, think of using a smaller scale cabinet with a smaller vessel sink on top. Definitely a smaller, but you're going to get the storage that you want, plus a really gorgeous looking sink. Also think about converting furnishings that you may already have or something you might find at a thrift store. Standalone storage cabinets, small tables converted into carts, that kind of thing. All of these vintage finds definitely add personality to that bathroom space, but give you that storage that you need for your linens, for your toiletries. I always feel like you have more stuff than you think you have in the bathroom until you start to clean. So definitely, I think if you had smaller storage space, you'd probably collect less, which would be great. 
Finally, let's talk about one particular type of storage, and that is towel storage. You know, the lack of a linen closet or a surplus cabinet space doesn't have to mean you've got a trail of towels and washcloths on the bathroom floor. Here's an idea to keep things accessible while keeping them neat. You can mount a hotel-style multi-tiered rack on the back of the entry door and near the shower or tub. Not only does it add much-needed storage space, but it does it with style. And for more storage, you can place open wire-styled shelving above the toilet or straight down from the ceiling and use it to hold hand-rolled towels. Now, I actually made a towel shelf like this and have it attached about 18 inches below the ceiling. But instead of making it out of metal, I made it out of PVC pipe, which was simple to assemble and glue together. For the long parts of the PVC pipe where I need a little more support, I inserted dowels in between the pipes for additional support. And it's been up there a couple of years now. It looks great, and it keeps all of our towel storage up high and out of the way. Well, and you painted it to look like metal, so it really... No, I use some of that metallic Krylon finishes that kind of look like chrome. And yeah, you're right. It looks good. It blends in with everything else, and again, provides us a ton of storage. All right. I love that trick. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. 
Heading over to Delaware, where Rosalind is on the line about a marble question. What's going on? Yes, I'm Gary. I'm Rosalind's husband. Oh, hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. How we help you? Yes, we have a a question. We bought a marble table, and we didn't know that it needed to be sealed. How do we go about doing that? Gary, are you calling because you've stained it, and now you're sort of stuck and want to, like, work backwards, or you're just preemptively doing some work? Uh, we had stained it. We got the stain out, but we, we didn't know that it needed to be sealed. And is it a new marble table, or is it sort of like an older piece that's maybe lost its surface finish over time? No, it's new. Brand new. So now there's a couple of different kinds. You may have a honed piece of marble, which doesn't have any polish on it at all, and it's meant to sort of have that like chalky, unfinished look to it. And then there's a, you know, a more high polished finish that looks like it has a glaze to it where it's like shiny. Now there's a couple of different ways to achieve that. There are professional products that you can get at your local, you know, a place where you might get granite or marble countertops and they have a sealant. Sometimes it's better if they do it. I know when you have marble or granite countertops, they should be reapplying that glaze every three to five years. If it's a lighter color, it should be more often. Um, but with a piece like that, you might be able to just get away with some marble polish, which will give you a shine and give you a bit of a more protective surface on there. But there really doesn't seem to be a homeowner type of glaze that you can get to apply because it is truly like a mixed different bunch of parts that are meant to be applied, you know, very systematically, very carefully. Okay, so now I can get that at a local uh, home good store or something like that? Yeah, I would definitely get a marble polish and, you know, follow the directions and apply that, you know, exactly the way you're told. And that'll give you a nice sheen on it and make it much more durable. If you want something that's much more shiny and really meant to coat and protect the surface, I would head on over to, you know, a local vendor near you that does marble and granite countertops and ask them for a product. They might have something that's DIY or they might be willing to take the piece and coat it for you. You know, since it's a small table, it it shouldn't be much of a charge. I see. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, thank you. I love that uh, Rosalind's putting up her husband, Gary, to make the call. <laughs> Get on the phone, Gary. She's like, talk to these people because you're going to have to fix this. <laughs> James in Tennessee, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, my uh, daughter, I got a house that uh, I gave to her that was my father's old home. So she was uh, cleaning the They're doing some remodeling to it and had wallpaper on this wall, so they tore it all off. And then they had newspaper on it from 1941. Wow. <laughs> and, they, and a whole bunch of stuff about FDR and before World oh, War II. Oh, that's amazing. Took all that down, and then the wall is made up of boards that are 12 inches wide, 8 feet tall. It's an inch and a half thick. Started looking at it, and it's all American chestnut. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So she wants to just cover it back up. I said, no Oh, way. no. No. No, no, no. I said, if you don't want it, let's so take it out. so classy today. So you ought to be able to get quite a bit of money for it. You're suggesting that she remove them, or do you want to use those as the final washer? Well, she thought about that, but then she said, well, I'm just going to paint it because it doesn't match what I got. And I said, no, uh, no, no. And nah, I'm trying nah. to talk her out of this yeah. very seriously because I said, you know, they don't make that stuff anymore. 
Yeah, no, they don't. That's really a, a very rare find. And I think if you were to uh, sand it and refinish it, you'd have a really lovely wall surface. And even if the color wasn't quite right, I'd rather see you stain it to bring the color closer to what she wants it to be and still have all of that character. Leslie, what do you think? I mean, it's always so rare to find such beautiful wood in good condition. And I think there's some ways to enhance it, enjoy it, um, and make it sort of go along with the rest of the decor, whether it's changing the stain slightly on it, adding just sort of a clear coat to just really bring out that graining. You know, I wouldn't be afraid of it. And I'm, I'm not afraid to mix different types of woods as well. And then different types of wall features. Of course, you know, you can still hang your art. You can still hang you know, pieces of fabric or woven items. There's different ways to make it work, and I would hope that she would in- embrace that. Looking at it, you know, these boards are an inch and a half thick. They're not, I said, you know, you could take that thing down and probably have them sawed up even greater and, and have a lot more wood to work with. Or just have them planed. You know, you could have them planed and smoothed out. If they come out easy enough, that, that might be an option. I'd consider that because obviously sanding them when, when they're vertical is, is a lot of hard work. But you could take them to a, a mill and have them planed so that they would basically take just an eighth inch off the surface and you'd have a perfectly clean uh, new American chestnut nut surface to work with after that. Okay. Well, I'll just, like I said, I, just, I don't know what the stuff is worth, but I've been told it's worth it's very valuable. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, you certainly you could sell the material, but I think the most value is in this beautiful home that you've given your daughter, and, and I think it could uh, it really speaks to the age and the character of the building. So so I agree with you. I try to talk her out of it. All right. Well, I thought I, I was listening to you all the other week, and I said, man, I'm going to ask you people what y'all think. Uh, yeah, so I guess I'll try to work on her some more. All right. Well, we're glad you reached out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Thank you. While mold and mildew can be a real source of frustration for homeowners, especially when it stands in the way of a painting project, it's not only going to ruin those paint jobs with ugly, discolored spots, but it can also cause severe respiratory issues for a lot of people and pets because a lot of folks are very allergic to mold. Now, the experts at Sherwin-Williams have a few tips on how to repaint an area that's been affected by mold or mildew. So they're saying here, don't just paint over that mold or mildew. If you're covering up the problem, you're not solving the problem because the mold and mildew, they're just going to grow right back and they're going to ruin that repaint job. Cleaning it now is going to save you from a costly callback. Now, before you paint, you clean it by using a bleach solution. You want to thoroughly scrub the affected area with a solution of one part bleach and three parts water. Remember to let that solution set on the surface for a good 10 minutes before you rinse the area with water and then let it fully dry before you pick up that paintbrush. And when you're repainting, remember to use a mildew-resistant paint. Most all paints have some mildew-resistant qualities, but for example, if you buy a paint that's designed for a kitchen or bathroom, that has even more mildew resistance. These include mildicides and antimicrobial agents that are designed to prevent mold or mildew from returning. And if we are talking about kitchens and bathrooms and moist areas like that, especially the bathrooms, remember to use an exhaust fan that is connected to a humidistat or one that's on a timer so it runs after you leave the bathroom. Keeping that moisture and humidity to a minimum will mean it's that much harder and it will take that much longer for the mold and mildew to grow back. Sharon in Tennessee is on the line and has some questions about tankless water heating. How can we help you? Just my husband and I. We've, we're in a house that the tank is probably, the one we have is probably 11, 10, 11 years old. But we find that in the bathroom, the master bathroom, which is at the far side of the house from us, 
you have to run the water five or ten minutes before it gets hot. Mm -hmm. And we've heard good things about those, so I thought, well, what do you guys know about them? Because I don't know if they've been out long enough to, quote-unquote, work all the bugs out of them. Are they a good investment? Are they good economically? Yes, yes, and yes. So they have been out for a long time, longer than you might think. I'd say probably 10 to 15 years. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, But the thing is, you you know, you don't really have a need to replace your water heater near that often, so sometimes folks are still not familiar, familiar with them. Um, however, the one complaint that I heard you mention was that it takes a long time for your water to get hot. That may not change, and here's why. Because the time it takes your water to get hot is more a function of the distance between the water heater and the plumbing fixture that you're wait, you're standing at waiting for the water to, to, to get right. there. It just takes, uh, you know, so many, so many minutes for that amount of water to pass through the pipes and show up as hot on the other side. Whether that's a tank water heater or a tankless water heater is not going to, not going to change that. It's still going to take mm-hmm. longer to get, just the same amount of time uh-huh. to get there. All right. Yeah. So that's not going to change. What will change though is you will have an, an unlimited supply of, of hot water because tankless water heaters pretty much when they're sized right never ever run out of hot water. Uh, and it's going to be a very efficient way for you to get hot water. I should have asked you this earlier, but are you on gas, natural gas? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Then you're okay. If you were on electric, we'd be having a different conversation because electric tankless water heaters are not efficient at all, but gas is perfect. Good. Okay, well, something for us to get some second thoughts here and then get some quotes, maybe. Now, there's also an option that uh, that Ream has right now where you can actually add a, a bypass valve at that farthest bathroom fixture from your water heater. And what that will do is it will recirculate uh, warm water through the pipes uh, based on a, a timer or based on your use pattern. So with that addition, you may not be waiting at all for hot water. So that's another option as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. It's got some, there's some good suggestions there that I can look into. Then we're, we're looking at doing some things for the house, and I, that was the first thing I thought of. All right. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for calling us at 888 Thank you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, did you know that one of the last major appliances to qualify for Energy Star ratings is a dryer? Now, Energy Star actually only started certifying dryers in 2015. With all appliance purchases, it's smart to make sure that you're looking at an Energy Star rated model. And here's why. While Energy Star products are the same or better than those standard products, they use less energy. To earn the Energy Star rating, they must meet very strict energy efficiency criteria that's set by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency or the U.S. Department of Energy. And since they use less energy, these products are going to save you money on your electricity bill. Yeah, and the savings is significant. When it comes to buying a dryer, an Energy Star dryer uses 20% less energy than standard dryers, but they work just as well, and they have all the same features. And an Energy Star dryer can save you also about $210 in energy costs over the life of the dryer. And if you pair your Energy Star dryer with an Energy Star washing machine, you can totally maximize your energy savings. So that really should be your first criteria when you're buying any new appliance. Make sure it is Energy Star rated. Heading out to Wisconsin, Char's got a decorating question. Well, dilemma here. What's going on? In our living room, kitchen, and hallway leading down to the bedrooms, we have 
laminate, which is a kind of a golden oak color. I don't know what to put in the bedrooms, which go into open up into the hallway. I want to put a brown because we don't want to put the same thing. We can't find it from the rest of it. And my husband wants to put gray. Can you tell us what would be best? We're going to do a vinyl. All right. With that golden tone. Whoa. I hate that golden tone. I'm so sorry to say it because I'm sure it's all over your house and you love it. But it's to me, it's always a difficult challenge because the golden has like these weird warm tones, but then still some sort of like yellow hint to it. So trying to match something to it or coordinate with can be challenging. Um, on one hand, I like the idea of a gray, but it's got to be the right gray. It has to be sort of in that same warmish family with maybe some brown undertones so that they won't clash, but will kind of blend together. And it also depends if that golden tone of yours is on the warmer side or on the cooler side. I mean, you really have to get a sense of that color. I don't love the idea of the golden with a darker tone. I feel like there's nothing in that dark tone of wood flooring that kind of picks up any of that. That said, maybe it's not a, a, a wood look floor at all. Maybe it's a tile. Maybe it's a carpet. Maybe it's, you know, a, a, something different. <laughs> but the golden is always challenging. What do you think, Tom? I agree with you. I think that sometimes that golden gets, gets really too bright and it is hard to pull it down. And gray, I kind of like the gray idea, but only it has those wood tones in it, those warm wood tones is going to blend it. What you really have to do here is go to your flooring supplier. You can go to a store like LL Flooring and get some samples and lay them in there against that golden color that you love so much. And I think the answer will become apparent. Once you put enough samples in front of it, you'll get a real good feel for what the possibilities are. If you happen to have some of that existing golden flooring, even better yet, because you can go to the store and, and hold your current floor against a bunch of different options. And that, you know, you said you wanted to go with vinyl. I think that's a great choice today. You have so many different extruded vinyl plank products, luxury vinyl plank products. They're just absolutely beautiful, super durable. Uh, and take a look at the, uh, the Duravana, which is a type of stone hybrid, also 100% waterproof, super durable product and very, very affordable uh, that you'll find in LL Flooring. And I think once you find the one that has the right sort of connection with that uh, golden floor that you have right now, you'll be all set and you'll both be happy. Tracy wrote into Team Money Pit and says, I have wallpaper on top of my plaster walls. The walls aren't in great shape either, and there's a lot of cracks. Should I remove the wallpaper and repair the walls, or is it better to just sheetrock over what's there? Well, first of all, we always recommend removing wallpaper over plaster or over drywall. But if your plaster is in bad shape, then I don't think it's really a candidate for wallpaper removal. And I definitely think that you should think about covering that with drywall. Now, the other option is to tear the plaster out. And I've done this kind of renovation both ways. And having done it both ways, my preference is to cover the old plaster with drywall and leave it alone unless there's a really good reason to take it out, like you've got to do some work to the walls or something of that nature. Because when you take those old plaster walls apart, first of all, you have plaster that varies in thickness. Now you have also plaster lath, those little like tomato sticks, I call them, that are attached to the studs. But you're also going to find that the wall is not totally flat. You'll find that it has waves in it. Because since you're not applying drywall, you don't really see that, right? Because the plasterers were so good back then, they could smooth anything out and make it look flat. In some parts of the wall, you had more plaster. Some parts, you had less. 
But of course, when you strip that away, you got whatever's left on that frame and you got to maybe make some repairs to get everything straight and sitting right. So for all those reasons, I think your best bet is to cover the walls with new drywall. Now, you can do this with half-inch drywall or you could do it with like three-eighths inch drywall or quarter-inch drywall if it's available. You're kind of just skinning them. And then the only complication that adds is that you have to take your outlets and your light switch electrical boxes and sort of pack them out. There's a device that will surround that and enable that box to extend to make up the difference in the thickness of the drywall. Um, but it's out there. It's available. It's done all the time. It's a big project, but it's certainly one that a DIYer with some pretty decent spackling skills could tackle themselves. All right. Good luck with that project. I mean, also, wallpaper is pretty nice. Maybe this wallpaper will grow on you in time. Or maybe you'll put wallpaper on the new drywall. Who knows? Let's go crazy. All right. Mary in Boston wrote in saying, I need help deterring squirrels from chewing the deck. She says her deck is 17 years old and the squirrels have always been around, but over the last few months, they've started chewing at the decking. She's tried covering the corners where they like to chew with chicken wire. I thought she was going to say chicken breast, and I was like, that's not going to make them go away. (laughs) Um, But after a month, they just found a different location. All right, they just like something about this deck. It's very simple. You need to train your squirrels, Mary. That's right. Now, you're not going to train them to do tricks, but you're going to train them not to chew the deck. Now, there's obviously a wide variety of gadgets that are out there to deter animals. They spray water. They make noise. They flash lights. But I prefer a good repellent. I've had some good success with the Bobex repellents, B-O-B-B-E-X. They kind of smell like a combination of rotten eggs and cayenne pepper, but they don't stick around for long. The smell doesn't stick around for long, but you will have to do this about every two weeks. They will, you know, they will last through a rainstorm or two, but um, what I've found, and in my case, I've been using it successfully to keep the deer out of my plants. Um, about every two weeks, I have to go out there and repeat the, the treatment. In fact, I just ordered another five-gallon bucket of this stuff because uh, it's a concentrate, and I'm able to get a lot out of uh, out of uh, out of that. I think it's uh, what uh, one quart to two gallons. So that's a lot, <laughs> a lot of repellent. But I've got a lot of bushes I've been treating. You may need something a lot uh, less. You can find this, by the way, um, either as a ready-to-mix product or an already mixed product, ready-to-use product. Uh, at lots of different uh, home improvement stores. And there are others as well. I just happen to have used that one. But you train them because once they get used to the fact that they can't uh, chew that deck and don't like the taste of it, they won't come back. They'll go off somewhere else. And I think that's the way you get them to stay away from your deck. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that you are inspired to take on a fall project. And if you are and have questions, remember you can reach us 24-7 at moneypit.com slash ask. Until we talk again, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.